This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott Sami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. It's Saturday, and good morning and welcome to America's Roundtable. This weekend on America's Roundtable, we are truly delighted to welcome a brilliant economist, former U.S. Congressman David Bratt, who serves as the Dean of the School of Business at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. Congressman David Bratt served on the House Budget Committee and as a member of the House Freedom Caucus. He led the charging Congress for a more fiscally responsible budget process and an accountable federal government. Dr. David Brad served as the president of the Virginia Association of Economists and serves on the International Leaders Summit's Executive Advisory Board. And you can follow him on Getter at Brad Economics. And on this note, good morning and welcome, Congressman David Brad. Good morning, Congressman Brad. Good morning, Joel Natasha. Very good. You're Joel is conspicuously missing his green, I've already noted. <laughs> That's right. Yes, indeed. We'll certainly right. get that back on. <laughs> That's right. Well, last week, we witnessed the second largest bank failure in terms of assets in U.S. history. Silicon yep. Valley Bank, SVB, collapsed when its clients tried to withdraw $42 billion on March 9. A few days later, another bank failed, Signature Bank. Congressman Brad, can you describe what were the causes of this bank failure? failures and how could it have been prevented yeah so there's a lot of drama surrounding this everybody's seen all the stories uh svb was a disaster it was managed terribly there's corruption going on with the governor of california it's linked with other cronies it's doing woke five billion dollar uh, investments it's, it doesn't have a board that knows how to do banking blah 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 none of that is the answer that's just the superficial superstructure uh, of uh, general incompetence, where a firm goes bad and it should it should go bankrupt, right? So that there's nothing to worry about there. The thing that caused this is the Federal Reserve System, right? Uh, and it, it it's not even government spending, as much as I'd like to lay it there, because the Fed accommodates and validates the government spending. So if the Fed, if you had adults at the Federal Reserve System, Biden couldn't have had his seven trillion dollar spending spree or anywhere near. And so uh, the Fed uh, printed way too much money back uh, in 0405, caused the financial crisis. Now it printed way too much money. Uh, it kept the federal funds rate at zero percent or near zero percent for 12 years. That is the colossal error. It totally messed up the price system. You cannot have a free market system and allow markets to work when you mess up the key price, which is the price of money, which is the interest rate. So the Fed totally messed that up. Firms started getting lazy and going, oh, well, this is the new normal, right? So it's always going to be 0%. Oh, my word, right? So it's just a, a migraine headache 
Of course, it's not. Now the federal funds is going up to 5% rapidly. That causes all sorts of calculation errors on banks. Uh, the Fed caused all of this. Uh, the other stuff's minutia that'll get sorted out. Uh, but the more problematic part now is the commentary by the FDIC uh, coming out and saying to J.D. Vance two days ago, uh, we're not sure if there's any cap on uh, insured deposits, right? It's 250000 normal. Now they can't list any level, in which case you basically have just nationalized the banking system and nationalized risk. And so the Federal Reserve, uh, the FDIC new response is, is it could bring an end. I'm not kidding you. I mean, it could bring an end to the financial system of the United States. Right. As you mentioned, based on the data by FDIC, Federal Deposit yeah. Insurance Corporation, that guarantees deposits up to $250,000. Well, based on yeah. their data, there were over 500 smaller banks that failed from 2008 through 2014. And all of them had assets and deposits amounting to less than $30 million. So in this case of SVB, its assets amounted to $209 million and deposits to $70 billion. Mm -hmm. And the deposits were mostly corporate deposits. Yep. And almost 94% of its deposits were not insured. And 90% of the signature banks were not insured. Right, right. So the government assessed that there is a systemic yeah. risk right. which can lead to contagion that can spread to other banks which is an yeah. which in an extreme case it would mean that all depositors in all banks want their deposits back at the same time which does not work in our system of fractional banking because banks only hold a fraction of the money their customer deposits as reserves right so the government stepped in to guarantee the deposits of the SVB clients. Yep. Uh, Dave, what is the cost of this action to taxpayers? And could have this been dealt with differently? It's a good question. It's it's very complex. The The cost to taxpayers in the short run does, does not appear to be that significant, right? Uh, but there will be costs, and, and not necessarily through the taxes, but through the fees that banks pay. So the other banks are going to have to increase fees to absorb some of these costs, and then they'll pass all that on to you, taxpayers and consumers. Uh, but the but the major cost is is this cost of moral hazard, right? Uh, where uh, these banks and giant firms, right? Everything's big these days, big, and the federal government likes it big, so it can put its thumb down on you and control you, right? So they would like nothing more than a, you know, a, a nationalized uh, credit system, a nationalized currency uh, that they control. The Chinese have this, of course, uh, as part of their surveillance state, right? If you misbehave on their, uh, they score you, you know, zero to 10. And if you, if you misbehave, you can uh, not be allowed to buy a car, not be allowed to rent an apartment. Uh, if you're not, not, not be allowed to have your kid go to a university. And so the central planners out there in this country, uh, which is just a handful, but it, it's shocking how the middle class, not the middle class, the elite suburban class is just going along with this, right? On the left, it, it's just shocking. And so the, the costs are tremendous, right? The reason we're a rich country and are blessed beyond comprehension is because we've chosen the free market system. That's right. uh, the world has always had markets. Right. The ancient Hebrews had markets in the Bible. The Greeks had the Agora. It's, they, there's always been markets. But 
we haven't chosen the market system until about 1800, right? With Adam Smith showed us what it was. And then a society chooses that. Prior to that, all human history made about $500 a year. Doesn't matter what culture you're in, what, wherever, right? Every country in the world. And you can go out, there's the online data, uh, rich stuff, Gapminder, G-A-P, Gapminder. If you want to give uh, yourself and your kids a great education, it's got a bunch of balls that move, show economic growth. And uh, roughly speaking, you know, countries aren't even growing till 1900, right? They're starting to finally start to grow at 1900 in the U.S. and all the Protestant countries, right? <laughs> just, just saying, I'm at Liberty University, right? In case you don't know who I am. And so I'm, I'm a little biased, but the evidence supports my biases. All the Protestant countries are growing like crazy. Uh, and then wait for it at the end of that trajectory. All of a sudden, there's two giant red balls, India and China. India, whoop-de-doo, don't care. They play well with others. China in the last 30 years is just becoming huge and scary, right? And uh, they had an, a, a, they chose to use elements of the free market system over the past 30 years. Now, uh, Xi Jinping has changed that in his last speech, full-on Marxist-Leninism. And so this country's got serious issues. And if we depart from the free market system, oh, my word, we're just handing over the, the, the best gift outside of faith uh, imaginable. I mean, just as you mentioned briefly that this cost will be passed through the fees yes. to other depositors in other banks. Yes. I mean, we, we know that in our banking, there are no interest rates on your deposits if you have larger deposits. And that's really departing from the you know incentives that people yep. should have when yep. they deposit the money in the banks. I'm just trying to compare this to Europe because in European yep. banks, uh, right, let's say in, in 2000s and onwards, in the interest rate, the real interest rate was 7 8% if you had a larger amount of money. Right. There was an incentive to bring that money to the bank. In America, in American banking system, there's no interest rate. So the depositors are just paying fees and going under yep. instead of getting interest. I mean, what kind of banking is that? Well, it, it's not. I mean, they've been suffering and, it, and, and it's just like the uh, the real estate crisis. Uh, back in 07, 08, when you, when you just throw a ton of money into a system, right? Uh, people, can, you can make bad bets for a long time because you don't get punished for it. But so now we're seeing an end when you say, what kind of banking is that? Well, now we're going to find out how many people. And I think we're just starting to see, right? The Fed is actually going to keep tightening probably, right? They were going to do 0.5 at least. Now this will freak them out and give an excuse to wimp out a little bit on inflation. And so they'll, but they'll st they're probably still the ECB, right? In the, in the face of Credit Suisse going bankrupt, they just raised rates 0.5. And so I think we'll follow a uh, 0.25 increase in interest rate. And so as that creeps up, everyone who's made bad bets, there's going to be more pressure. But that's why that FDIC insurance piece is so crucial. Congressman David Brad, we certainly appreciate the role of regional banks. And on the role of regional banks in competition in the banking system, this past week during a Senate hearing, there was an exchange whereby Senator Langford yeah. asked Treasury Secretary Yellen about the state of smaller regional banks. Secretary Yellen's message, the Biden administration's policy, is that if America's depositors are with a big bank, which denotes the too-big-to-fail syndrome, a throwback to the Wall Street bailouts of 08 and 09, your deposits are protected by the federal government. However, if you bank in the smaller family-owned banks, the regional banks, 
you are on your own, comrade. And now there are proponents saying that we ought to just have a handful of big banks in the 21st century and to consider replicating Australia and Canada's system. Now I get that because we have seen how Europe's banking system is more efficient when it comes to same-day online payments, whereby America's big banks hang on to your money for days, delaying wire transfers and payments up to three to four days in some cases. Now, Kevin O'Leary, the Shark Tank star who was also involved in tech startups, was on Fox and & Friends and responded to Brian Kilmeade about the SVB bank collapse. Now, he stated he's offering tough love messages by saying that we do not need regional banks in the Internet age and made the case for big banks. He stated that SVB Bank was poorly managed, calling the management team idiots and unsupervised by a negligent board. The management team ran the bank as a badly run hedge fund. And O'Leary said that we have a dilemma, a moral crisis of what is being played with hearings on the Hill with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and the Biden administration's policies. Now, Secretary Yellen said that every single bank account in America, and even foreign money, even Chinese money, you know, some $250 million of individual and entity client money in SVB Bank, taxpayers, American taxpayers are going to guarantee it. We all know that this will be a problem, policy issue that will haunt us all, and it will create a class of bank managers taking irresponsible risks, just like in the case of SVB Bank. Now, a great many of our fellow Americans would oppose that view taken by Kevin O'Leary by saying that we do not want to head down the path of experiencing big bank failures, too big to fail, with the Feds and FDIC deciding policy for all Americans and ensuring every bank account with a footnote, only the bigger banks. Congressman Brad, what should Congress do to bring greater sanity, advance greater competition with the engagement of local and regional banks, and secondly, to make sure that Americans are not given the bill to bail out larger banks run by irresponsible managers beholden to the woke agenda? It's clearly where we're heading to. The, the only question is uh, how, how conspiratorial you want to be. Is it, is it constructed to be this way, right? When all the evidence, lean, you know, when you go, go read, you know, RFK's book on Pfizer and all the, this stuff, right? And he shows a 30-year progression of big pharma being constructed internationally in Africa, and, they, and these huge firms look like they're doing charitable stuff. And how can you question that? Well, then the, the hundreds of billions of dollars come in later uh, for the score, right? And so it's the same with banking. Now, what's the net effect of what just happened? A bunch of scared uh, grandmas and grandpas, like my own, uh, got they heard the mainstream media just running their mouths, not knowing what they're talking. It's caused by Trump and a panic and regulations, and you got to get out of the small banks. So everybody goes to the big banks. Right. And it's like, oh, my word. I mean, it's just you, you got to be kidding. But, yeah, you're you're right. Every, everything's going in that direction. They're covered because they have political friends. Right. Mm. Right. And so that the SVB, what's the what's the governor? I guess he made a bunch of phone calls. Right. And uh, got his buddies uh, a, a solution. Right. Didn't get the American people solution. The biggest, the biggest point I, I, I've made over the past few days, no one's interested in it. 
but we shut down the entire economy for two years. Right. right. Let that sink in. Yeah. Right. And the small guys had to suffer and find a solution and struggle through and survive. Absolutely. And so now one mid to large size bank goes under and it could be the ruination of our Western civ, right? No, you just showed us we can survive shutting down the whole economy for two years. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> and you shut down the smalls and you gave relief to the bigs, right? The big firms all got special exemptions. And so, sorry, I just don't believe you anymore. I, I just don't believe the elites anymore. Right. And Dave, another example of the government's meddling into the economy is the new U.S. Department of Labor rule called Prudence and Loyalty in Selecting Planned Investments and Exercising Shareholder Rights, which affects the retirement accounts of millions of people. The rule allows 401k managers to direct their clients' money to ESG investments, <laughs> environmental right. social governance investments. Right. And two-thirds right. of the U.S. population's retirement saving accounts will be affected, totaling $12 trillion in yeah. assets. So, Dave, we yeah. have two major issues here. First, American retirees are manipulated in supporting the progressive ESG agenda yep. with a hard-earned retirement. And secondly, will these companies also be bailed out by the taxpayers if they fail? Because ESG matters more than profitability of the companies in which they yep. invest? And are they too big to fail? Yeah, all, all the Fortune 500s are ESG now, right? And all the big BlackRock and all these you know, $10 trillion man, they call them or whatever. And so uh, usually I'm not in favor of tax increases, but the billionaire taxes, I've changed my thinking on this. So the ESG <laughs> people are morally superior to us knuckle draggers, right? So I'll bow to their so moral, right? They want to do the environment and social do-gooder deeds and G for good governance. So man, they, they're voluntarily agreeing to do moral work. So I think they should really get to engage and we should give them the tax increase since they want to help. We'll give them the tax increase. They can put the bill uh, for the Biden spending to help everybody, right? So this is only fair, but being more serious, backing up to your ESG thing, I, I think it's coming to an end. The, the evidence is starting to trickle in and uh, the the performance of those funds and of these firms and you know they're they're involved in the SVB bank. Uh, people got their eyes off the ball and they're failing uh, because their eyes are, are are on you know what pronoun to call people or whatever instead of on risk and banking and doing their jobs. That's right. So I, I think uh, it, it was a you know a, a three to five year phenomenon of the left with the violence in the streets, that's subsiding a bit. I was just at the Capitol the other day. The Capitol's open for tours again. Mm. And so the American people are, are slow to wrath, but uh, they eventually figure it out and they're good people. And uh, I, I, I pray we'll get this stuff straight. A brief question. How are things at Liberty University? And uh, for those that are interested in learning more about Liberty and the great work you're doing. Yes. No, thank you very much. We have... Uh, for the CEOs out there, email me. Uh, I'm the Dean of Business at Liberty. We have a big CEO summit. We had 500 two years ago, 700 folks came. We got world leaders. We have a big Africa push. We had heads of state from DRC Congo and 
in uh, Nigeria and Ghana and many others. We're trying to help them uh, move business and capital flows their way because they're our friends. And, uh, and then it's just a great way uh, for people in the faith to find win-win solutions with friends that they're naturally, you know, friends with. And uh, so they love, CEOs come, they just love it. They say, I've never been to anything like this. And uh, so that's a big thing we do. And then the students here, of course, are, are phenomenal. The, the, the faith they have is great. Uh, but, you know, uh, with the faith, you don't get automatic wisdom and knowledge. That doesn't come immediately. And so the K-12 system's not doing hot. So we got, we got a lot of work to do on our side, right? Conservatives have half the kids. And that those half the kids out across the country at Liberty are a little different. We got a special great group. But they don't know their American history. They don't know their Bibles. Uh, they don't know theology, philosophy. And so you parents, uh, come visit me, third floor of the business school anytime and uh, say hi and uh, bring your young scholars with you. And uh, I guarantee you they're going to be impressed with uh, Liberty. Thanks for asking. Thanks so much, Congressman David Brad, And you can follow him on Getter at Brad Economics. Yep. Thank you, sir, for your continued leadership. Thank you so much, Congressman Brad. Thank you, guys. Keep smiling. Get some green. Go. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Ladinsami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sardorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable.